0: Welcome to Fresh Catholic, a podcast for those who are converting, reverting, or simply want a fresh perspective of the Catholic faith to help them to open their hearts and minds to become closer to the love and goodness of Christ. My daily prayer is that I will be a bright light to others, to be filled with the love and light of Christ, so that when people look at me, they see Him radiating out from me for His glory. Hello and welcome. Lori Balderas here. See, I'm getting used to it now. I, I have to identify myself. I'm so happy you're here. So Lent begins in a couple of days and I'd like to talk to you about how to have a meaningful and productive 40 days. Maybe some of you have never participated in Lent and maybe some of you have always participated in Lent but maybe need a refresher on why we do what we do or what we shouldn't do, as the case may be. Lent is a time for us to change our lives and grow in holiness and become closer to Christ. We need to always be thinking about refining and improving our lives, amending and reshaping things to be more centered on Christ. I tend to think of Lent as being a very serious time of year, I don't take it lightly. I mean, I don't take anything lightly in any of this, but I do feel that it's a more serious time of year. While I feel Advent is a more peaceful, calm, and hopeful time of year, Lent to me is more of a time of purging and self-evaluating and redefining your whole being. Lent is 40 days, even though the calendar would be 46 days, because of Sundays. Sundays are certainly a part of Lent, but they're just not prescribed days of fasting and abstinence. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday and ends at sundown on Holy Thursday of Holy Week, right before Easter. The high point or grand finale, as I call it, of the Lenten season is Easter, of course, and the resurrection of Christ. The 40 days is in reference to the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness fasting, praying, and being tempted by Satan before he started his ministry. I want to read this to you. This is from Matthew four one through eleven, the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Ah, I'm just enthralled with this story. I so admire Jesus totally being tested and challenged. At every weak moment, but he didn't fall for it. I've had so many temptations in my life. Lying, cheating, stealing, anger, hostility, worshiping idols even. I totally fell for Satan's tricks and traps so many times. I was so weak, especially before I had Jesus in my life. But even after I became Christian, I totally um, succumbed to Satan's lies. I was just so easily distracted and just undisciplined, and I just fell for it every time. I'm ashamed of that, and I just am so in awe of that Jesus was just so strong, especially faced with actual Satan. You know, being distracted and undisciplined is basically pure laziness, honestly, You know, like I say, it's a weakness. So Satan doesn't want us to focus on the Lord. If I'm trying to pray the rosary, Satan starts putting these thoughts into my head and distracting me, and I start thinking about other things that are not even important at the moment. And then I'll just reel it back in and say, no, I I need to focus on this. Or if I'm at Mass and somebody's being distracting, people will walk in late Or, you know, there will be something that draws my attention away from what my focus should be. I don't like that. That's not good. Again, that's Satan causing some distractions. You know, if I'm doing something like having an angry outburst or raising my voice or any of those things, that's me being weak and undisciplined and Satan stirring the pot. You know, sometimes I even envision him literally like sticking his long skinny finger with his long nail. That's just how I imagine it. And he's just literally stirring the pot, you know, and he just knows what's going to like cause my blood to boil or sometimes even imagine him literally poking me, whatever it'll take to get me to not focus on the goodness of Christ. Anytime you turn away from the Lord, that's Satan doing that. Now that I'm Catholic, I'm trying to do much better with that. I, I am more focused on the fact that I'm acknowledging, oh, this is Satan doing this. Oh, that's Satan pushing my button. Oh, that's Satan, you know, causing a problem. I even call it like sometimes he throws down a tax strip. You know, those tax strips that somebody throws down when there's a high-speed chase and they need to stop the vehicle. I sometimes feel like he throws down these tax strips because he doesn't want me to move forward. And... I just don't want to step on the tax strip anymore. I'm trying to like go the opposite direction. That's just way more interested in what I'm I'm trying to do right now is just focus on what God's asking me to do, which is always goodness. Anything that's of goodness is from God. Anything that's evil is from Satan. So you have to really consciously think about that and not allow him to tempt you and get in your way. I would like to say this is easy, but it's not... (laughs) It's not impossible, but it really takes a lot of focus and dedication and, and true strength, man, because he throws it at us every day. And we have to remember that Satan is a liar. He tries to get us to think other things, you know, things that aren't of God, and he's a liar. But God comes first, and that's the most valuable thing. Anyway, back to Lent. <laughs> the three pillars of Lent are prayer fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer is to set aside time for more focused and conscious prayer and to eliminate unnecessary distractions. Fasting is giving things up, sacrificing like food and other things you love and get pleasure from that might be stumbling blocks between yourself and God's love. Almsgiving is when you give generously to the poor and needy as a sign of gratitude for all God gives you and as an act of love to others in need. I will be doing individual episodes on these three pillars because I think I want to talk in a little bit more detail about those. So we'll be diving deeper into those in the next three episodes. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, so in a couple of days. Sometimes people celebrate Fat Tuesday. (laughs) which is the day before. I've never really done that, but hey, I'm all for it. I mean, just the name itself, Fat Tuesday, I like it. I like to be all fat and sassy. So that's when you indulge a little bit more because the next day is Ash Wednesday. So when you go to church on Ash Wednesday, you will receive a cross of ashes on your forehead. And the minister will say either repent and believe in the gospel Or remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The ashes are meant to remind us of our mortality, that we are going to die, and that we really need to repent of our sins, and we need to die in a state of grace. Last year, in addition to people attending church in the morning and the evening to receive their ashes, we decided to offer a drive-up or drive-through ash distribution at the church. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I think it's really important for people to go in the church and get their ashes. But I think we were trying to get as many people to be able to have their ashes. And it was still kind of coming off of COVID. So they had to drive up um, and drive through for that. Um, what I thought was the most amazing thing was people came in droves to get their ashes this way there was a line of cars around the block. It was really quite something. Even though it's all right to remove the ashes after you have them placed on your forehead, I encourage you to leave them on all day. They're actually meant to be a humbling reminder of our sinful nature. And also, if you're wearing ashes during the day, I can promise you somebody will stop you and they'll say, excuse me, Did you realize you have something on your forehead? And it can start a conversation and you can say, oh, yes, thank you. I'm Catholic and it's Ash Wednesday and we have these on our forehead as a humbling experience. And it just opens up a conversation. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody has stopped me. But uh, anyway, then you can explain to them what's happening. And I think that's a good thing. The ashes are made from burned palm fronds that are from Palm Sunday of the previous year. I love that little bit of trivia. At our parish school at Our Lady of the Assumption Church in Ventura, shout out Assumption School, go Dolphins! (laughs) They all gather around and watch as the fronds are burned. And I think it's a really cool thing for them to... Take the palms that they know were from the previous Palm Sunday, and they're burned, and there's prayers that are prayed over that. And I just think it's really cool for the children to participate in that. And then they know that those are the ashes that are used the next day on Ash Wednesday. We'll be right back. Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, Never the Issue, as well as, yes, Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Jista the Rapper, Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Rock, Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless. So, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are obligatory days of fasting and abstinence. One full meal is allowed, or two smaller ones, on those two days. On Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and all Fridays of Lent, Everyone 14 and up must abstain from eating meat. 18 to 59-year-olds must fast on those days unless they have a medical reason they can't. I take it a step farther. <laughs> I abstain from meat every Friday all year. That's a it's a decision I made last Lent, and I thought I would do it for all the Fridays of Lent, and then I thought I'll just keep it going. And so um, I've kept it going all year, and I just... That's something I wanted to do. It's kind of the old school way of doing it, but I I don't know why they gave up that practice because I think it's important. So, you know, some people have a challenge of what do we do about, you know, not eating eating meat on Fridays. I mean, you can be creative. And I mean, that's where it came from about the fish on Fridays. I personally love fish. So um, that's easy for me. But you can eat vegetarian meals, obviously. Nowadays, it's so easy to get meatless meals you know that that's not as big of a problem i think as it was in the past but yeah the fish fish fridays go get a filet of fish at mcdonald's (laughs) shout out mcdonald's (laughs) so during lent catholics should take on some sort of personal penance or abstinence for the purification of their body and soul Lent is a time for confession and fasting and abstinence, for more prayer, more Bible and spiritual reading, and more corporal works of mercy. I suggest you come up with a Lenten plan and map out what you want to accomplish. I do this every year, and I always feel better that I kind of get it planned ahead of time. Of course, I can add or subtract anything as i go along but i really try to come up with a lenten plan prior and it's kind of like new year's resolutions that's a kind of a good way to look at it but to me they're more meaningful and serious i mean i can easily flake on new year's resolutions <laughs> that's why i probably don't do them um but i can't flake on jesus so he doesn't flake on me so i'm not going to flake on him but I think that's a good way to kind of like process it and think about doing your Lenten plans as it's kind of like New Year's resolutions. It's, it's just a time to make serious changes and a great way to get rid of bad habits. 40 days is a really great amount of time to settle into a new habit, like a new, more positive habit. So like, let's say you, you say, okay, well, I'm going to give up, you know, drinking wine for for 40 days. Okay, well, maybe after the 40 days, you'll want to continue it. For example, I love wine. So I used to drink wine every day. And I didn't want to give it up for New Year's. And I just didn't want to give it up. And then I thought, you know, I'm gonna give it up for Lent this year. I want to see if I can do it. And if I'm going to do it, this would be the moment that I, like I say, where I'm not going to flake on it because I've made this commitment to Jesus. I'm going to do this. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be hard. It made me very accountable and it gave me a really good purpose. It wasn't all about me. It was about, you know, giving it up for Lent. And so sure enough, I did it. And I don't know, I was really proud of myself. So now I give myself like, you know, a treat on the weekends, but I don't drink every day anymore. You know, because that's kind of like an idol. If you have something that you rely on every day, that's not a healthy thing necessarily. You know, it's like, try to give it up for Lent and see see what you do with that. Maybe people wonder, what if I have all these Lenten plans and all these goals, then I fail at it? Well, honestly, you can't fail. Give yourself that grace to say, okay, my goal is to really do this. I don't want to fail. But you know, life happens and sometimes, you know, we might not be able to follow our ambitions as as best as we'd like. So don't beat yourself up. Try to, you know, do something. And remember, this is to benefit you, to benefit others. But there's no test at the end, and there's no prize at the end. So if you fail, pick yourself up the next day. Try to do better the next day. You know, it's like that's all God wants us to do every day. Anyway, um. So all ages can have their own goals for Lent. Um, So you can choose to do things individually. You can do things as a couple. You can do things as a family. If you're by yourself, sit down, make your plan. If you're a couple, come up with things you'll do individually and come up with things you want to do as a couple. It's certainly good for a family. There's so many opportunities you can do with your family to teach your children about giving things up. You know, we live in a society of, I want everything, I want it now. You know, it's not the necessities we're necessarily trying to give up. It's the luxuries, you know. It's these things that we just get used to doing because we live in a very, I want it all, I want it now. So here's some ideas that I have. Take them or leave them and fit them into your family or your individual life that I've either done or I know that people do. Obviously, replace negative things with positive things. Don't just give up chocolate. <laughs> like, everybody has that. What are you doing for life? I'm giving up chocolate. Okay. Well, how important is chocolate to you? I mean, is it that important? I don't know. If it is, then I guess give it up. So let's say you give up chocolate or Starbucks or alcohol or fast food or things like that. Okay. Where those to me are like frivolous luxuries. You know, you don't have to have those things to, to live in life. They're, they're nice, they're fun, but you don't have to have them. They're not necessities. Give those things up, but then save up the money that you would have spent on those things, like have a jar or, or an envelope or something where you go, okay, so I was spending this amount on Starbucks every weekend. I'm going to put it in an envelope. So at the end of the 40 days, what money did you save by not buying wine that you drank every day, by not buying Starbucks? And then take that money after the 40 days and give it to charity. That's a nice thing. And that's a good thing, like, you can teach your children. Like, let's say you take them, I don't know, out for yogurt once a week. Say, we're not going to get yogurt once a week. Instead, we're going to take that money and put it in this jar. And then have them decide what charity that they're going to give that to. That's a nice thing to do. Another idea is to make a commitment to limit or eliminate screen time. So let's say you spend a great deal of time, like we all do, on our phones or on our computers or video games or whatever. So take that time that you would have done and do more positive things with it. For example, you could actually sit down and have dinner together face-to-face where you're actually talking to each other. Wouldn't that be nice? Or you could have time, instead of doing screen time, where you read the Bible or other religious books. I have a list. I'm just going to say them. Um, Maybe we'll put them in the show notes. So I read Catholicism for Dummies every year. It's a good overview of the Catholic faith, and it's really easy to read, and you could read like a few chapters a day or whatever. Rediscover Catholicism is a really good book by Matthew Kelly. The Word on Fire Bible, the Gospel Version, by Bishop Robert Barron is excellent. He has a lot of good commentary. There's beautiful artwork in this gospel book. So I I added that into my um, Lenten goals last year, and I was really happy to do that. I'll probably do that again this year. Of course, the Bible, just anything out of the Bible, if you want to read that um, during Lent, that's really good. I particularly read the Gospels of Luke and John during Lent because combined... They are 45 days, so it's kind of perfect. You could watch more faith-based movies or shows together, such as The Chosen or the Catholicism series, which I watch every year. You could volunteer to help others at a retirement home, or you could help at a soup kitchen. Go visit people who are lonely or forgotten. It's, it's nice to even just send a note to somebody who you might brighten their day. You could give up gossip and negativity and anger and selfishness and replace it with compliments, positivity, kindness, compassion, and selflessness. You should go to confession at least once during Lent. You should go more if you'd like or if you need to, but at least once during Lent. You could make a commitment to attend Mass, of course once per week, but add in at least maybe once on a weekday you could go to adoration at least once per week or pray the rosary at least once a week even better every day those are some ideas about how to do more prayer you could participate in the stations of the cross every friday during lent this is a really beautiful practice you go in and as a group you pray at each station of the cross, and it's Christ's journey on the day he was crucified. It's so meaningful, and it reminds us of just the seriousness of what he had to endure. And you're doing it as a group, so it's a beautiful prayer. So towards the end of Lent, we have Holy Week. This is the holiest and, in my opinion, the most meaningful and heartbreaking thought provoking and serious time of the whole year. It begins with Palm Sunday, um, which is the Sunday before Easter. And this is Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. So this is the day that we get the palms and we get them blessed. And actually we hear the Passion of the Christ that day. Then there will be Spy Wednesday, which is the day that Judas betrayed Jesus. And then there's Holy Thursday, which is the night of the Last Supper. Then there's Good Friday, the day that Christ was tortured and killed. And then there's Holy Saturday, which is when Jesus was laid in the tomb. The Easter Vigil is on Saturday also after the sun goes down. And that's a very long ceremony, which is when the candidates and the catechumens receive their sacraments and become fully initiated Into the church. I will be doing an entire episode on the Monday of Holy Week to talk all about these days in in a lot more detail. But that's just an overview of them so that you know how Lent ends with Holy Week. I hope this episode has helped you to get motivated to have the best Lent ever. Make it a real good one. And I would love it if you would follow me on Instagram at FreshCatholic. On Facebook, which is Fresh Catholic, I would love for you to go to my website, which is freshcatholic.com. You can leave me a message. Let me know what you did. What is your Lenten plans? What are you doing as a family? Um, send me photos. Send me ideas that you've come up with. If you have any groups that are interested in having me come talk to them, I would love to do that. So reach out to me for that as well. And share with your friends, you know, listen to the podcast, share this with people who you think would, would benefit from it. And I just, you know, I appreciate that you guys are still here and you're listening and I have a lot of great podcasts coming up and thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining me today. Now go out and be a bright light in someone's life and remember Be focused, be faithful, and be fresh. Fresh Catholic is recorded at Wonder Mouse Studios at the Castle at Pierpont in Ventura, California. My producer and engineer is Sarah Aspell, and she can be your producer too. You can reach us at WonderMouse.us or at freshcatholic.com. Thank you.